It is great to be with you this morning. I've had a little bit hard time hearing myself. My voice is a little bit hoarse. Uh, I, have, I was screaming at my son's basketball team yesterday, and uh, I was cheering for them. And uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting because I was uh, in, in basketball. In basketball, as you know, there, the, if, you, if you're bouncing the ball and, and you pick it up again and start bouncing again, it's, it's, it's called traveling. Well, I felt as though the referee did not call the other team when they were traveling yesterday. And so I just, instead of like directing my, my, my comments to the referee, um, I just, I was talking to some of the other parents in my team, like just loudly, just saying, do you have any plans for travel this year? What are your travel plans? Just nice and loud, that's all. Just, just thought that word should be louder than everyone else. But, so that's kind of why my voice is a little bit, uh, thank you Suzanne for doing that. Um, this up, didn't you? Okay, because <laughs> I didn't see you do it, and I'm less like, whoa, just appeared. Um, I'm, I'm totally at the, at the end of this season, so I'm, I know I've been talking a lot about sports lately, and I'm just, it's hard for me to get my brain away from that. It's hard for me to, uh, it, it's so much of perspective comes from that for me. It, 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 it just kind of comes, comes through it, and... Um, it reminds me of these moments when uh, people get into big games, and it's, it, it's, it's interesting when they get into the Super Bowl or get into the World Series, and once in a while, you'll get one person from one of the teams that's so confident that will say something like this, I guarantee my team's going to win. They'll actually guarantee. They're so overconfident, so believing in themselves, so believing in how good their team is that they'll guarantee that they're going to win the game. And I think, well, how can you do that? You don't know if you're going to win. Well, they've decided that they think that they're going to win so much that they're publicly going to announce that they're going to win. I don't know if, you, uh, you know, if you've ever heard of, of Babe Ruth. He was a, he was a baseball player in, uh, you know, in the... You know, the 19th century, I guess the 20th century. And so he, he was so confident that he would hit a home run that he would point to where he was going to hit the ball before the pitcher threw it. He would use his bat and he'd go like this. Like, I'm going to hit it right over there. Bam. And he would, though. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And I'm also reminded of those, you ever, you ever watch those TV dramas where something horrible has happened to a family and the police officer has to inform the family of what's happened. And the person who's so upset, whether it's the father, son, daughter, mother, whoever they are, they just look at the police officer's eyes and says, you know what, you better do whatever you can to find the person who did this to me. And the police officer says, I guarantee we're going to make them pay. And you're like, what do you mean you guarantee? You can't guarantee that. You can't guarantee that you're going to find the person, that you're going to fix it. You can't do that. You can't say, I'm going to definitely catch the person who did this to you or, or hurt you. You can't guarantee that you're going to win the Super Bowl. You don't know. You don't know the outcome of the game. You don't know, you don't know the outcome of life. You can't guarantee. That's not allowed. 
that doesn't even make any sense. Because I know you don't know the outcome. As Christians, uh, as Christians, sometimes when we see an obstacle in front of us, when we see something hard in front of us, which is pretty much every day, right? That there is something that we have to do each and every day, some, some task that we have to accomplish, something that we have to, that we have to hurdle, something that takes, it takes doing the right thing in order to accomplish. And I think as Christians, sometimes we can look out on life and we think to ourselves, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You ever ask that question? I don't know how I'm going to do this. Oh, man, I don't know how we're going to do this. How are we going to, like, oh, how are we going to do this? And um, it, sometimes it can become so discouraging because we see those things approaching. It's too big. It is too much. I remember in the Bible, remember when the, the people of Israel, and they were scouting out Jericho? Remember they were scouting out the, the land of Jericho, the land of the promised land, and, and they sent the two spies into the promised land? Anybody remember that story? They sent the two spies in the promised land, and the, the, the spies come back and they said, oh, man, it's a beautiful place, but there's no way. I mean, there's just no way. I mean, there's no way we're going to be able to overcome these giants. There's just no way. We're just not going to be able to do it. They're huge. We're like puny grasshoppers to them. There's no way. There's, there's no way we're going to overcome this. This morning, I just, I was reading I was, I was reading about Palm Sunday, okay? This is Palm Sunday. A week from now, we celebrate Easter Sunday. If you don't go to church on Easter, what's your problem? If you're working, I completely understand because that could be like time and a half or double time and, and you're forced to work, so I'm not judging you. But if you're not working, what's your problem? It's Easter. It's the day, it's resurrection day. You need to go to church, <laughs> You need to be with other Christians on Resurrection Day, okay? You need to do it. It's just, it's just us celebrating together. And so I was thinking about today, about Palm Sunday, and I'm thinking, something doesn't seem right about the order of operations in the story of Palm Sunday. Something doesn't seem right. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it means. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. <clears throat> this is the story of the triumphal entry. The reason we call it Palm Sunday is to represent the palm branches that the people of Jerusalem laid in front of Jesus as he rode into town. That's where Palm Sunday comes from, just, just in case you didn't know. So let's read it together. Chapter 21, verse 1. I was, gonna, I was trying to be subdued today, and it's just not working. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, Say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. I don't believe that God is, Jesus is telling them to steal donkeys. I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he has a better plan in violence. So I, he's not stealing donkeys, just so you know. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, 
and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very, very large crowd spread the cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowd went ahead of him, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. It's funny, I, I, I've, always, I've always pictured the triumphal entry of Jesus riding on a donkey, but I never thought there were two donkeys there, but there are. Um, that's the Bible, we have to read it, <laughs> that there's actually two donkeys. There's the donkey and the colt. So there's two donkeys there. We have to read the Bible to know what's in it. <laughs> so I, I, I'm just, here's Jesus. He tells his disciples to do, to do something ahead of time, okay? So he, he tells his disciples to go and get the donkey and the colt and go and get them because I want them, okay? So Jesus isn't, this isn't happening, this isn't happening as as a coincidence. This isn't just all of a sudden happening. It's not like Jesus said to himself, I just feel like riding a colt or a donkey into Jerusalem today. It's not as though he saw one on the side of the road and said, you know, my feet are tired, disciples. Like, seriously? Can you uh, find someone? It's that, this isn't a habit of Jesus. It's not like Jesus went all around the Galilean countryside riding on a donkey. He didn't. But he did. Today, what he did on this day was on purpose. He did it because he was trying to give people a sign. He was trying to let them know something. Okay? So, Zacharias, that, uh, that verse, it says, Say to the daughter in Zion, See your king comes to you riding. So this is verse 5 in chapter 21. See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the fool of a donkey. So listen, that portion of scripture, that's actually in the Old Testament. That is a prophecy of Jesus coming. Okay, so that's 400 years before now, before it actually happened. There was a prophecy that your king would ride in on a donkey. Okay, now that's a pretty, that, that's not super specific, but it says on a colt, the full of a donkey. So it's not just on a regular donkey. Donkeys were used to ride around upon in that day and age, but you wouldn't sit on the, <laughs> you wouldn't sit on the baby one. Okay, that's not necessarily a normal thing to do. It's only something that you would do if, order, if you were only trying to send a message. And what's interesting about this message, and today we're talking about the promise of victory. The promise of victory. And that I believe that Jesus, in God in his word, promises us victory. Victory in life. Victory through circumstances. He promises victory. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where God or Jesus says to us, you're going to fail. He says you're going to have trials. He says that there are troubles. He says we'll be persecuted. But he never says that you're going to fail. That's never prescribed for us. 
It's always about overcoming, being victorious. When you read the Old Testament, the word victory and the times that the people of Israel were victorious over, those, over the people that were trying to hurt them is countless. And I believe that God wants us to understand that he promises us victory over sin and over death. And when he promises victory over sin and death, that that allows us to have victory over every facet of our life. And I think that that's good news. I think that's something that we can share. I think that's something that we should get excited about. That we don't have to be defeated. We don't have to act like failures because you know what? We're not. You know what? You're not a failure. Hey, you're not a failure. You're a winner. You're victorious because you're in Christ Jesus. So we need to know that. And what's extraordinary about this story, and I'll say it right off the bat because I just, I was, I'm, I'm preparing my message thinking to myself, God, I, how can I talk about the promise of victory on Palm Sunday? Like, shouldn't I talk that about next week? Isn't that a next week sermon? Isn't next week about promise of victory? <laughs> so here's Jesus. and I. Do you know when you're going to watch a movie and you know you're sitting with somebody else who's watched the movie and they start telling you about what's happened in the movie? <laughs> kind of like having this cup. This is nice. You know what that's like? You know what it's like when you're sitting with somebody in the movie and they're just, and they say the line before the line comes? And you're like, Spoiler alert, I did this one thing when I was, uh, when I was young and impulsive, uh, when I uh, didn't have as much social grace as I have now, but I was waiting in line for a movie called The Lord of the Rings, okay? It was the last installment of The Lord of the Rings, okay? And so there are, there are droves of people waiting in line, because we went on the first night, droves of people waiting in line, and so I decided, because there's a mischievous side to me. And I can think of good ways to do mischievous things. And most of the time, most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, uh, good judgment f falls on me. Don't, like the Holy Spirit is just like, don't do that. <laughs> but there was this one time. As I'm, as I'm leaving, as I'm leaving the theater... Because I've just watched the movie, I decide to say to my friends as loud as I can, and if you know Lord of the Rings, I decide to say the ending. But I said the wrong one. Like, I didn't say the right one. And so, if you didn't know the story, you'd be so disappointed. Because I'm like, in the end, I'm just like, I can't believe Frodo dies. As I'm leaving the theater. As loud as I can. As loud as I can. And it was just, it was awesome. Because for the whole movie, they're going to be mad until they get to the end and realize, no, he doesn't. So, it wasn't as bad as that. But there's nothing, there's nothing worse than, it feels like you want to see what happens for yourself. But here comes Jesus, okay? Here comes Jesus and Jesus knows the end of the story. He knows 
the end of the story. He knows how this is going to play out. Okay? Jesus says to his disciples in Luke 18, 31 to 33, he says, Jesus took the 12 aside and he told them, we're going to go to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. He told them. He told them the movie before they watched it. He told them ahead of time. You know why? Because he knew. In fact, from the beginning of Genesis, God has been telling us the end of the story. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, Adam and Eve sin, and they believe the serpent, and God speaks to the serpent and says, so the Lord your God says to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you among all the livestock and the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he, talking of Jesus, will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Jesus Dying on the cross. He's giving away the movie. Like, what's going on here? Like, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't understand what he's doing. And I, I'm not even talking about just the movie. Listen. Jesus is having like the Super Bowl parade before the Super Bowl. He, he's having the celebration of victory before it happens. When you, when the king rides into town on the donkey, it's usually after the battle's been won. Right? You don't ride in before. The Patriots play the Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. It's not like the Patriots a week before, just like, let's have a Super Bowl parade. You don't have a party before the battle. You wait to see who wins. And then you have the party. And then you have the parade. Nope, not Jesus. Jesus, before the battle, knows he's going to win. Because the only people who ride into town on donkeys and colts are kings. Victorious kings. After you win a battle, this is what they would do. So here are the people of Jerusalem who haven't had a king for centuries. You know why? Because they haven't had their own free local government for centuries. They're in bondage by the Romans. And so what have they had to cheer about? Have they had a king who's come in and said, we have conquered this land and that land? No. The only king that they've seen, the only people who have been celebrating around them are the Romans. Here comes Jesus riding into town. And every, every, every Jewish person, every Israelite who knows their Bible, who knows the word. And at this point, church, this is all they got. So they know it. Here comes Jesus riding on a colt. Everybody, everybody, everybody is thinking about the prophecy that happened 400 years ago and said, this is it. Jesus riding into town. Enjoying the victory before the battle. I, I was just blown away. I was just, I was blown away. I, and, and God's speaking to me. He's like, you have to speak about victory this week. You know why? Because I did. 
I couldn't help it. This is, what, this is the message Jesus wanted to get across to us. This week, before the battle, he says, we're going to be victorious. There's trouble brewing. He knows going to Jerusalem, he's in a, in a, in a whole boatload of trouble. He knows it. He knows because they've tried to kill him before. They know if he goes down to Jerusalem, he's in a boatload of trouble. He doesn't care. He says, you know what? Guys, uh, we're going to go to Jerusalem. Uh, they're going to grab me, take me, flog me, then kill me. You want to go? He's not, there's, he's not scared. When you know you're going to win, you're not scared. And so there's, there's something about a victorious attitude. There's something about understanding that whatever comes before me, whatever lies before me, that says, I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to win. You can throw whatever you want at me, but I still win. Whatever you want, it doesn't matter what you do, I still win. Because I know the end of the story. And it's that state of mind that we need to have. That victory is a state of mind. Okay? It's a state of spirit. Romans 8 verse 35 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all of these things we're more than conquerors through him. Who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, pres neither present or future or any powers nor any height or depth or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think Paul had a sense of victory, don't you? I think he had a sense that, you know what, you could throw anything you want against me. Because I'm going to beat it. I'm going to overcome it. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of Christ. Life or death, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to be here, I'm going to be here with you, and we're going to have a great time here on earth, but like if I die, I'm in heaven. Like it's way better there than here. So you can't beat me. You can't defeat me. And it's a state of mind. It's a state of mind, it's a state of spirit, it's a state of heart that we need to get ourselves into that place so that when we wake up in the morning, we're going to be like, you can't beat me. Nope. I'm going to win today because I have Jesus with me. I woke up with Jesus, and that means I win. And that's, that's the attitude that we need to have. And it's, I'm not making this up, okay? This is not an Anthony Robbins uh, seminar, okay? This is not a self-empowering moment here. I'm not trying to say, okay, well, if you just think that you're awesome, you'll be awesome. I'm not awesome because of me. I'm not awesome because of something that I have done. It is because it is the person who I'm following. It is the person who I serve that makes me great. It's an attitude. It's, it's, it's a way that we look out upon the world. And it's a promise that he gives to us and says, you're allowed to act this way. You're allowed to have a confidence, to believe that you're going to win in every, in, in every situation. 
because the victory, victory belongs to us, but Jesus has fought the battle for us, right? He stood in our place, and he won a battle that none of us could win, that not one person could win, not you or I, even if I were to give my life, I could not be forgiven for my sin. Only Jesus. Only Jesus was the only person qualified to die on the cross for the sins of the world. He was the only one of perfection. He was the only perfect one. So I couldn't die for my sin and, and, and my sin be taken away. And so the battle was fought by him. And the victory is ours. And, and God's been saying this through the Old Testament and the New. Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 15 says this. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Judea, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, wow, and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jeruel, and you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. The battle is not yours. It's not for you to figure out. It's not for you to fight. Because in that moment when we think to ourselves, well, I've got to fight. I've got to take control. I've got to make sure that I win is the moment we don't, <laughs> is the moment we fail. But if we, can, if we can stand firm on our faith in Jesus Christ, we can overcome sin, we can overcome death. We absolutely can. And church, this filters throughout your whole life, okay? If you can conquer sin, if you can have an attitude that says, in every situation I'm going to win, which means in every situation, I wanna, I'm going to be able to hear from God and the Holy Spirit and through his word be able to do the right thing. That whenever I go to work, I'm going to treat my coworkers with respect and I'm going to shine the light of Jesus. That whenever I go home and I talk to my kids, they're going to be able to see the loving father, the father, father's arms wrapping around them and helping them and teaching them that whenever I go and spend time with other people they're going to see that, that, that Jesus is inside of me and that there's truth and that there's life and that God is real because of my life and that I, in every situation I can win and I'm going to win because God's word says that in every situation in every season in every context, you can do the right thing. You can shine the light of Jesus. Some of you don't believe me. Well, it's not me. <laughs> it's not something I'm saying. It's something God's word is saying. And here's the challenge. Here's what it comes down to. Is that you have to you have to realize what what is success? What is victory? Okay, Pastor Shane, you're saying okay, we can be victorious in every situation. Well, I've been watching a lot of sports games with my children, and uh, well, my son lost his basketball game 
last night and uh, got Shane, Pastor Shane, you said I could be victorious in every situation. Well, how come my son wasn't victorious? Well, that's not really what we're talking about, is it? If we're going to measure victory and failure based on circumstances in our life, then we're, we're missing the truth of God's word here. And honestly, those victories are small, short, short-lived victories. It would have been great if my son, Isaiah, won his basketball game yesterday. I would have jumped up and down. I would have been excited for him. But it would have been over pretty quick. And really, what would it have meant? 20 years from now, would he remember that moment? Maybe. But probably not. It's not life-changing. It's not life-altering. It's not going to bring anybody to Jesus. It's not going to increase anybody's faith. It's just for fun. Church, we, we're looking for a victory that goes beyond the temporal. We're looking for a victory that goes beyond just the things, the clothes that we wear, the cars we drive, and the houses that we live in, and the jobs that we have. We're looking beyond these things to be victorious. Because I believe that when we look beyond those things, and we look towards eternal things, and we think to ourselves, God, if my goal is to be victorious, in all that you have called me to do, that he will add these things unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. But you have to seek God's kingdom first. That means we need to be victorious according to God's kingdom first. It's not that he doesn't want you to have those things. It's just that he wants you to seek him first, to be victorious in those things first. Because when we walk in victory, when we walk in hope, when we walk in, in God's light, that's when we can change the world around us. You see, the people, you know, the people of Israel, I'm going to close with this, the people of Israel, when they saw Jesus riding on, when they saw Jesus riding in on that donkey, they weren't thinking about being saved from their sin. They were honestly thinking about being saved from the Romans. Probably that's what they were thinking, right? Because that's, that's all they could see. And so... I'm not sure they really understood what was going on here when Jesus is riding in on this donkey, when he's riding in the colt. They, they would have thought, oh, finally, we're not going to have to be oppressed by the Romans anymore. And Jesus is, is trying to help them see beyond the temporal, help them to see beyond their circumstances and the people in front of them and realize that there is a greater victory to be attained. There's a greater victory that overrides even, even an oppression from the Roman government. The greater, the greater victory is life and power and the Holy Spirit through His Son, Jesus Christ. I, uh... <laughs> Pastor Corey's uh, away today and I, I, wish he was, I wish he was here. I miss him when he's not here. Um, 
because there's something about Pastor Corey and uh, I had the privilege of being his assistant coach this year in, in our boys hockey team. So uh, he was the master and I was the apprentice. And um, it's funny when Pastor Corey coaches, he is so, and this is what people misunderstand about him, is that he is so committed to his team having fun. that other people get upset and think that that's arrogance, think that that's something inappropriate. But the truth is, is that, yes, Pastor Corey wants to win the hockey game, but he's more, he cares more about his kids having fun than winning the hockey game. Now, he wins a lot of hockey games for his team. But, the reality is, is that when we as a team were to win, the victory is so much greater because we enjoy being together. The victory was so much greater. So you know what? Even if we, we lost, we still won. Even if we lost the game, we still have more fun than you. If we, even if we lost, we still have more fun than you. You know what? That means we win. And if you can take this attitude, if you can take that attitude saying, okay, this is not about the outcome of life. This is not about the moments in our life when we think, okay, well, we made this mistake and we should have done this, we should have done that. Well, did you enjoy it? Did you realize that the, that the moments in your life are not just about these turning points in, in, in where you live and where you work and what you have? The reality is, is that it doesn't matter if I've got millions of dollars or one dollar. Paul says that I have Christ and that makes me victorious. So I don't base my success, I don't base my victory on the outcome of life. I base my victory on my connection with Christ. And so whether I win or whether I lose, whether I have a lot or have a little, whether I'm working, whether I'm not, it doesn't matter to me because I have the victory. I have the real one and I'm having more fun than you. Because of my connection with Jesus, because of my connection with Christ and that in every situation, no matter what you got, no matter where you are, because there are a lot of places way worse than this. <laughs> way worse than this. That we could all be in. And there are Christians there walking in victory. Because it's not about what they see. It's about what they believe. God promises victory over circumstance, over temporal life. He promises it to you and me. You've just got to focus in on the victory that you want to have. If you're looking for eternal victory, it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. I can't believe he gave away the movie. Like, he gave it away. He had the party before the battle because he knew 
that's why I can have joy today. Before the battle even comes to my door, I know I'm going to win. Before the battle even comes to your door, just know that through Christ, you're going to win. Would you pray with me this morning and ask the worship teams to come back? We're going to pray in just a second, but if you could all just look at me. Listen, I'm not trying to sell you anything today. I'm not. I'm not trying to pump you up with some emotional message. I, I couldn't help it. It's Palm Sunday. This isn't... I honestly tried not to speak this today. Because it didn't make any sense to me. Why would I preach about victory? Shouldn't I keep this until next week? Next week's Easter. It's way easier to talk about victory on that day. He wants us to know that we can have victory before the battle. That we don't have to be scared. We don't have to be afraid. So please, I'm, it is honestly me not trying to emotionally get you to a place. It's not. It's God's word trying to remind you of his promises. God's words trying to remind you that in every season, in every situation, in every context, you can have victory. Amen. Isn't that great news? Isn't that great news? Father, I thank you for the victory. Thanks be to God who gives us victory over sin. Thanks be to God, the one that we serve, that we don't have in any situation, we don't have to be afraid, we don't have to be scared, because we know that we've won. it wrong, you're going to win because I'm with you, he says this morning.
says to you, because I'm with you, you're going to win. every day that we can be victorious that we are victorious it's not even a can be we are because the battle has been won and the score can't be changed the words Hosanna when you hear that word Hosanna it's a, it's a Hebrew word they used to say this word when they would pray when they would praise God for the victory they would praise God for the victory now and the victory later they would say Hosanna in the highest Hosanna means God save us now we pray which means the salvation comes now we pray so when you wake up in the Start with Hosanna. Start with Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. The one who saves. The one who heals. The one who delivers. You start with Hosanna. And walk in his victory. Amen. God bless you, church. Why don't you stand? We're just going to sing the chorus to this song, and then we'll, I'll dismiss you.